The last week or so, I've been in the book of Philippians, and I know a few weeks ago you know that Lauren had kind of said something in Sunday morning, and I preached the next morning on a verse out of Philippians, and I spent the whole day in one verse, just being expository about it and tearing it apart and just seeing what it was about. And so this is the verse we looked at last week was this, was, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, and we looked at everything in this verse, obeyed what? Well, the, the new commandment, the, the laws of Jesus, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, meaning Paul had left them and realized they were still being obedient to Jesus, which is so awesome and so important because really that's what the New Testament is about, is that we don't need to go to somebody to talk to God for us. The whole thing about the gospel is that we get to go to God in the name of Jesus. And so even though Paul left, he was excited that they're still obeying, that Jesus was real to them and, and it was, and it was exciting for them. And he said to work out your own salvation, your own. You notice that? We're not supposed to work out somebody else's salvation. We're all so different and we're to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, in reverence. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So I don't have time to park there this week. Um, we did put it up a couple, a couple weeks ago. It's up if you want to listen to it. But I continued on after this verse in my own studying, and it said this. Do all things without complaining and disputing. So he's saying you're obeying Christ, and that's wonderful, and he's loving it. Work out your own salvation. And with fear and trembling, God's working in you. And then he says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Still talking about the obedience of Christ and what, how we should walk in this world. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. So we're supposed to shine. In the midst of all this craziness, we're the ones that are supposed to be shining. In this crooked and perverse world and all this stuff and sickness and disease and all this craziness, we are the ones that are supposed to shine and we're to do it without grumbling, without disputing. We're just to do it in, in, in joy. So the next verse clears this up. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, Paul writing from jail right now, in, from prison, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, basically he's saying, listen, I'm put in jail because I brought you guys the gospel. I brought people the gospel, and now I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out. I gave the gospel. Now I'm in prison for it. I am glad and rejoice with you all. So he's saying, listen, I'm rejoicing that you guys still have your freedom. I'm rejoicing that you guys can still be working out your salvation in this world outside of prison. He's saying, I'm rejoicing with you. I am glad and rejoice with you all, but right here, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And he goes on to talk about this. And this is a, a verse that I'm, I'm reading along, and of all of a sudden, that last line there just goes, whoop, to me. He's like, I'm rejoicing for you. I brought you the gospel. And he's saying, I'm rejoicing with you. Now you rejoice with me. And he goes on to talk about being in prison. So he's saying, listen, I'm being poured out as a drink offering for sharing the gospel, but I count it all joy. And I'm glad that I got to suffer for your salvation. And so he's saying, don't feel sorry for me. Rejoice with me that I'm in jail. And I think, holy smokes, what a change of attitude for how, what we act like. Like something goes wrong or we can't do something during these times and we're like, God, 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 and all this and all that. We really, comparatively to this stuff, we can be really wimpy, can't we? 
We really can. And Paul says, listen, rejoice. This is exciting. I'm in jail. I'm in prison for your salvation. Why? Because what was true to him is that they came to Christ and that was a joy to him no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. And I got captured at that verse and I thought, oh God, how do I apply that to me? You know, yes, things are changing and maybe, I hope not because we're going to pray like crazy that it will never happen. And so I probably will never be put into prison for sharing the gospel. But how do I pertain it to my life now? And it's just simple. It's just very simple that I should be rejoicing and I should be sacrificing everything for the gospel of Christ. You know, if he can take prison and say, yes, I'm in prison because I got to share the gospel at all cost, then for us, oh my goodness. Well, I don't know what someone will think about me if I share the gospel. That's hardly prison. Well, I don't know if I should share it here. That's hardly prison. We should be giving our entire lives and rejoicing no matter what because it's for the gospel. We should be giving our entire lives. We are bought and paid for, the Bible says, that we have been purchased with the blood of Christ, that we are no longer our own, but his. And some people hear that and go like, ah. And Paul goes, yes. But we hear it like, oh, my entire life, that everything should be for Christ and everything I should do is for the glory of God. And no matter what I should do it because I've given my life for Christ, no matter what, my lifestyle, everything, I should be, uh, I should obey the word, I should obey Jesus, I should do things, I should share the gospel, I should give my entire life for Christ because we are not our own. And we go like, oh, that sounds like a hard task. And Paul goes, yes, I get to do it. And I thank God, I want to live like that. I want to have that attitude that, yes, I get to do it, regardless of the cost. Because it's the most important thing. And I got to tell you, during these times, all the conversations we've been having about all this craziness, and no matter what side of the fence you're on politically, no matter what side of the fence you are concerning this coronavirus, we are spending a lot of time outside the trueness of the gospel and the love of Christ. And our entire lives should be given for that and devoted to that. We're not our own. And we should go, yes, we're not our own, rather than, I don't like not being my own. We should be, yes, we get to belong to him. So he was encouraging them to walk out their own salvation, but he showed for them to learn to rejoice with him. 1 Peter 4, 7, 4 14 to 17 says this, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, if, if people reproach you for being a Christian, if they, if they look down on you, if they, at, hit, at that level, if they persecute you intensely for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Blessed. You see, we just think we're blessed if we get stuff. And we think we're blessed if we have a good day. And we think we're blessed if we make a business deal or we get something or whatever it may be. But Paul says... If you're reproached for the name of Christ, you're blessed. I'm not saying you're not blessed when you get stuff, but this is a blessing. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and God rests upon you when this happens. You see, super spiritual doesn't just mean the goosebumps we get in worship. It means that we live our lives for Christ, and regardless of what comes against us, we're blessed. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. And that's how it should be. People can blaspheme the Lord, but we should glorify him. But let none of you, this is cool here, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody 
in other people's matters. So just watch that for a second. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. So he's saying, listen, we need to suffer for Christ, but you don't have to suffer because you're a murderer. And back then, the reason why he might have said this is because some people, a lot of criminals were coming to Christ, and then they were suffering, and there was rebellions going on all over the place, and they were being like you know, a martyr. Paul says, uh-uh-uh-uh. This is not gospel. This is not gospel. Why? Because revenge is the Lord's, not ours. We need to understand that clearly. The gospel and the scripture says that. Listen, our, we are not to take revenge for ourselves no matter what. That's up to God. Why? Because we're not good judges. We're not good at deciding things. Could you imagine? Well, I don't know about you, but I could only imagine if I got to judge scenarios and I could bring repercussion for people's situations. Oh boy, I'd mess that up. Why? Because I get so emotional. And I'm not that emotional of a guy, but I could imagine in those times when I'm angry or people are coming against me, I'm like, and I had the right to just like move them out of town or, you know what, you know, like maybe put a limp on them or, you know, something, you know what I mean? Have their tongue so it doesn't work anymore, so they have to shut their big mouths. That's how I would think, right? But we're not to judge. Why? Because we're not good judges. God is the only one that can do that. So he says, listen, none of you should suffer. He says, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about suffering for the gospel. None of you should suffer as murderers. None of you should suffer as thieves. None of you should be going to jail and suffering for being an evildoer. And I love what he puts in here, or busybody in other people's matters. Thief, evildoer, murderer, and busybodies in the four. So someone that meddles in other people's affairs. Paul has lined here with thief, murderer, and evildoer. Busybodies. People that meddle in other people's affairs. People that gossip. He puts them with this. You know, I follow this guy's ministry. You guys might know him. His name's Dave Ramsey. And he's got a huge ministry. But he has a gossip rule in his ministry. In his, in his business. It's a huge business. Multi, multi, multi. It might even be getting close to a billion dollar business. But he has a gossip rule. You gossip once, you're warmed. You gossip twice, no matter what, you're fired out of his company. And he defines it on his walls, what gossip is. And that's simply going and complaining to anybody that can't solve your problem. So, to your coworkers, probably not going to be able to solve your problem. And so, that's a rule. You complain up and you praise down. That's a rule that everybody should know as a leader. Complain up, praise down. So, he puts it in here with all this other stuff. Murderer, thief, evildoer, and busybody. People meddle in other people's affairs and have opinions about everybody else's affair. And we're terrible about that, especially in this new social media age. It's just like... Oh my goodness, everybody's commenting on everybody's thoughts and everybody's this and this. It's just like people spend 90% of their time in debates. Busybody. Yet if anyone suffers as Christians, let them not be ashamed. So if you're being persecuted for your faith, that's one thing. But let him glorify God in this matter, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. This is what I was talking about. And if he begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So Paul goes on to say, listen, we should suffer for Christ, but not all those other things. And he's saying, listen, that there's a judgment that begins in the house of God. And Christians are the worst for some of this stuff. Probably not murder and thievery and, and that stuff, but the busybodies, we're the worst. And it's all in the name of, I need you to pray about something, right? I know something, but I'm only telling you so you'd pray about it. No, that is just a... Thing. Or some people have come to me before. He says, I don't know what it is. It must, it must be a ministry that people just come to me and they want to share all their junk with me, all their garbage. Well, where do people take the garbage? To the dump. It's not a good ministry to be in, right? It's not good. Shut the door to the dump. 
You're not a dump. Shut the door. Where am I? First Peter still? Okay. So he puts them in the same way. I just got thinking this week about, oh, everybody, everybody's yapping, including myself, about all these things. But you know what we should be yapping about? The gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we should be yapping about. When people bring up all the different things about the coronavirus, we should be talking about Jesus. When people bring up the whole thing about what's going down south and what side are you on, the Black Lives Matter thing, we should be talking about Jesus Christ. We should be talking about the gospel. We should be presenting peace. We should be presenting love. We should be presenting that. We should be giving people hope and telling them, listen, it's all chaotic, but one day it's all going to come into line. And there's only one person that can bring it into line, and it's Jesus Christ. So I've been having different thoughts this week. And like I said, this isn't a pretty sermon. These are just thoughts that have been coming to me over the last couple weeks. And one of the things I've been thinking about was Romans 13, 1 and 2. And it says this, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Just leave that up there. Now, I was thinking about this week because I really think that God was pointing this out to me and preaching to myself on this one. I really think because during these times, boy, I hate the way things are being handled. And so I'm very quick to just like condemn authorities. I'm very quick to just condemn our prime minister or condemn different things. And we can be talking negative, or, or Canadians, we were, think we're U.S. now. All we do is talk about the American president now, not even our own. Um, but we're so darn political and, and this and that. But the bottom line is God says, don't talk about any of them negatively. So I'm preaching to myself right now because we're quick to want to like talk negative. I'm bad for that lately with this stuff, and I, uh, worse than I've ever been. And so I'm like preaching at myself. But it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now you're looking here going, oh, this is Paul talking about the governing authorities or whatever. In the church, he's not. He's talking about the Roman officials who thought they were God. These Roman leaders thought they were God. And Paul said, be subject to them. God has put them in position. And he says, what's the big deal? Are you going to suffer for the gospel? Be blessed. That's what he's saying. Now, he's not saying to agree. There's a lot of talk in the scripture about this. He's not saying to agree. And you can disagree with what's going on in the government. But to talk and be negative about the situation. And then we all have our boundaries. The moment that God steps over into God's laws for us, we can't. If, he say, if you have to deny Christ, like things that are going on in China right now, in China right now, they are walking into homes and telling people, get your Jesus statues out of here and put up the picture of our leader or you will not receive any finance and maybe end up in jail and possibly death. That's what's happening in China right now. Now, if someone told me to give up my belief in Christ, I would never do it. So there's things that God's laws that we supersede all other laws. But he's saying, listen, you can navigate these laws within any government for the most part, or most governments for the most part. And he's talking about Roman. He eventually died at the hands of this, Paul did. And he said, still be subject to it. So I just, myself included, we need to shut up about speaking so negatively about our governing authorities. What are we supposed to do then? What does the Bible tell us to do? Pray! Even from the very beginning, what happened? Even in Egypt, God what? Heard their cries. 
They didn't have a big rebellion. God came in and saved the day. Why? Because he heard their cries. What does 2 Timothy tell us to do? In chapter 2, it says, listen, pray for those in authority that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty so that all can come to the knowledge of Christ. So he didn't say rebel against it. He said, pray for it. Now, we live in a, in a, in a semi-democracy anyways. We live where we can do what we do and vote, and we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to sow our seed, and we're supposed to go in the, in the, in the right channels. But number one, pray. When we take the other avenues first, we're saying that God's not powerful enough. But he is. He is. And I hate this because it says, if we start resisting those ordinances, what do we do? We bring judgment on ourselves. And in the other chapter, it says, listen, this judgment begins in the house of God. We're the ones that are supposed to be sharing peace. We're the ones that are supposed to be encouraging prayer. We're the ones, and again, doesn't mean that you're stripped of your opinion. We all have our opinions about this stuff. But what's profitable? Am I making sense this morning? 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Same thing Peter's saying here. And he wasn't talking capital K here. We always honor Christ. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Say, well, why would we honor or, or pray for or speak kindly of someone that we don't like and we hate that they're in there? Because God said to do it. Because the kingdom is always upside down that even when we want to get something, he says, give something. Kingdom is just backwards compared to how we want to live. But if we honor and we speak well of things and we know the power of our mouths and we know the power of prayer, that will bring more change than anything. If we can get together and just speak life, there's power in that. And I'm reminding myself and all the time, listen, we need to be praying for our leaders. I can't remember the last time, well, I did now this week, that I'd been praying for our, our prime minister. Like actually doing it but he's the leader of our country and i don't want you guys to be putting up hands but i don't think i should ask who's been praying regularly for our prime minister because i've been doing a lot more criticizing than praying for him lately let's just stop right here let's agree right now father god in the name of jesus god we love our prime minister we may not agree with everything he's doing god but we love him with the love of god Father, we thank you for him and his family, God, and we thank you that the office, not even necessarily him, but the office is ordained by you. And we ask you for that, Father. We pray for that office in the name of Jesus. We pray that it be blessed. We pray that they know you and are led by you, God. We pray that you turn the hearts of kings, and we know you can, and we ask you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. We know, God, you can get to places that we can't, and that's why we're to pray. You can get to hearts that we can't get to, and that's why we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that him and his entire family and his entire people around him be blessed, be blessed by the presence of Almighty God, be blessed by the love of God, be blessed blessed by the word of God, be blessed so that they can bless our nation in the mighty name of Jesus. We honor him in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, the kingdom, spiritually that feels so right, but in my head right now it feels so wrong because I get so mad. Does that make sense? But God's way smarter than I am. He's way smarter than I am. So, I've been thinking about that lately. That's one of the things that we can adjust 
is be praying for our leaders, be speaking life. And honestly, let's really get a grip on what's happening right now. You know, Lauren and I talk about this. There's 33 and a half million experts online right now in our country. They are. And they all have their opinion that they state as truth and fact, and this is the way it is. But do you know that truth takes time? It takes study of the word. It takes revelation. It's not just bleh. Truth is defined forever. Truth is immovable. Truth is steadfast. And when we proclaim like it's truth and we're Christians, when we serve a God that says that every cross and every dot is carefully placed there by the king himself, and we just blah, 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 it's not being good witnesses. We've got to learn to shut our mouths. Again, I'm preaching to myself. We have to learn to shut our mouths. And I've been thinking about this, the truth, and, and it's gotten to the point where you can hardly express opinion without people attacking you like they're the truth police. It's just like, woof. And I look at this, and like I said, judgment starts in the house of God. We ought to be leading the charge, not the charge in the blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I sound like that Transylvania, <laughs> Hotel Transylvania, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's what it's like, the blah, 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 blah. But we should be leading the charge. We really, really, really should. And does anybody remember the new commandment? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. This explains the new commandment. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, though I'm like a super Christian, but have no love, I've become like sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Just stop there for a second. This is the Holy Ghost saying this. Saying that, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and act all spiritual and can speak these lovely languages in God, but have no love, all God hears is, dang, 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 dang. Like that old monkey thing that you see. You know? So we are a bunch of monkey clappers. Next verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries of knowledge, and though I have, I understand all this COVID stuff and all this stuff, although I understand it all, and I've moved mountains with this, but have not love. This is God speaking. I'm nothing. I'm at the bottom. My words are nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, I'm doing all these wonderful things, soup kitchens, all this stuff. And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love. So when Paul was talking about burning his body, it was not murder, not for thief, not for evil doing, not for all this personal agenda, only for the gospel. I give my body to be burned, but have no love. It profits me nothing. Now get this, okay? Now, I want to bring this right into the context of where we're living, and then I'm closing. Love suffers long. How many of you have a patience wick about this long right now? That's me with some of this stuff. Now, I'm a lot better the last few weeks. But love suffers long. How many see something just like, ugh? That's why I came off that social media. I was feeling like, ugh, every time I saw something. But love suffers long and is kind. I'm seeing a lot of not kind debates going on. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not wanting something of somebody else's. It's content with what it has. 
Love does not parade itself. Listen to me, I'm the coronavirus, know it all. I know everything. Listen to me. It doesn't parade itself. It just listens, it's kind. I just want to cry right now. Not just because the Prince of God, it's because I'm like, everything is like, this is a very, very, very straightforward thing that a lot of us, myself, is not doing. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Look at me. It does not behave rudely. Dang. Anybody behaved rudely at all over this whole situation or things that are going on? I have. Love does not seek its own. So when you're in a situation and having an argument with someone, opposite of love says I need to win this argument and show them my opinion. But love doesn't seek its own. Love says, listen, we're in a bunch of chaos right now, but let me show you somebody that does know it all. It's very patient, very kind, loving. We'll give you peace. Love is not provoked. I look at that like poked, you know. Ah, it's not provoked. Love thinks no evil. I hit myself in the side of the head and get it up one ear, let it fall out the other ear, because we tend to do that. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, in people's failings, people's shortcomings, and stuff that the enemy's doing. And the enemy's doing all this. That's where we got to really dial in. We're like trying to put blame on everything else. It's the enemy doing a lot of this stuff. And we should just be the opposite of that. Bringing peace, bringing healing, bringing love. So it rejoices in the truth. Like I said, not just our own opinions. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I can't tell you how many times I've said, I've had enough of this. This needs to be over like now. But you know what? Love can endure this if it went on for 40 more years. Love can endure that. Never want that to happen, but love can endure that. Never want it to happen, but love can endure that. Love never fails. Ever, ever fails. All this other stuff will vanish away. All these prophecies will vanish away. All these different gifts will vanish away. But you know what we take into eternity? Love. 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 The most powerful thing in the universe. It's not soft. It's powerful. It's powerful. And so when we need to back down from an argument and present love, you are not getting weak. You're getting strong. You're getting not weak. You're getting meek, which is just power under control, is meekness. I'm just going to end there. We're out of time. Father, in the name of Jesus. Help us to be Christians in this world. Like you said to the church of Philippi, even in your absence, they were obeying you and they were doing things without grumbling and complaining. And that they were learning how to rejoice, even in suffering for you. God, help us to walk in love. Help us to not want to be puffed up and and share our own opinions and, and help us to be peacemakers and problem solvers. Help us and show us what the real issues are that we need to be dealing with. And God, what we can do in our sphere, how we can bring our sphere, our sphere of people into a place of peace and a place of joy and a place of Jesus. We thank you for that. God, I pray for every person that we run into. I pray, God, for them that they will be recipients of what we have to offer. In the name of Jesus.
Amen.